everyone. It's me, Dr. Z, with... JB. Good to be back with you uh, with another session here, Dr. Z. And I love what we're getting into because I have no idea <laughs> how to navigate any of this because... Uh, you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, first and foremost. That is very important to note. Um, <laughs> but um, what are we uh, getting into today? Because I think it's quite interesting that uh, I did. Well, one, I didn't know we could um, change patterns in therapy. So that's a lot of what we're going to get into today. And uh, where should we start? I think we should start by explaining to you how you change patterns in therapy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always a great place okay. to start. Um, so... The biggest, obviously, why why do people go to therapy? Yes, people go to therapy because they just want to work on things and kind of booster sessions, I like to call them, and just kind of keep things in flow. But the majority of people that end up in my office end up in my office because something isn't working, right? Something isn't moving forward. They feel stuck. And it's more than just assessing for symptoms of anxiety and depression, which, yes, obviously, that's all part of it. But it's usually because something they've been doing their entire life is just not working anymore. And those are patterns, right? So when we talked about this before, when we're children, we develop patterns in response to our surroundings to be able to survive and get through what we need to get through. If those patterns don't work as an adult, then you start to feel like you're hitting a wall. Something's not working. And a lot of times people don't even realize that. They just know they don't feel good. Yeah. So I help them figure out why they don't feel good but in addition to why what do I do now to make it work because it's not it's not enough to just know why you do something you also have to know how to make it different how to change it so that you can move forward instead of knowing why you do it because even just knowing why you do it still keeps you stuck because that's not a behavior right so you need to change the patterns to be able to get a new result that makes you feel better so that you can use that to draw upon moving forward do you have an example of something that, you know, might have been uh, great to manage whatever you're going through as a child mm -hmm. and then you get to that adulthood and that it's no longer a great thing to manage, you know, that thing anymore? Is there an example uh, an that you could excellent give? Excellent question, John Barcher. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, let's say that um, growing up, we've talked about this before, but let's say mm. growing up you... Um, you were taught that you really needed to be cautious and gentle and really do the best you can to not make your mother upset. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so let's say mom is either very labile with her mood, so like all over the place, up and down, flies off the handle, you have no idea why, very unpredictable, um, or just has, not just, but has major depression or major anxiety, and you were taught that you need to act a certain way to not upset her, which automatically gives the child the message somehow that they are responsible for their parents' mood, wow. which you are not. 100%. Right? I mean, yeah. my, my, my middle one tells me really nice things a lot about me and my clothes and how I look. And um, even in those situations, which is being so sweet to me, I am still responsible for my mood and my reaction to her. Even if she says something ridiculous to me, yeah. I'm still responsible for my mood. She doesn't cause me to act any certain way. So a child is never responsible for the adult's mood, period. But you grew up in an environment where you think that's the case. That works for you growing up to keep it to yourself. Do not argue with your mother. Do not disagree with her. 
Don't do anything out of the ordinary. You need to walk a straight line or she is going to be upset or she is going to be angry, disappointed. You're going to ruin the whole thing, right? You get into adulthood and you've learned to suppress your opinions, your values, how you feel, what you want in life because you don't want to disappoint or upset or ruffle anybody's feathers. And you can see how in a relationship over time with somebody else or with your friends, that can really take a toll make you feel anxious, depressed, all of those things because you're constantly putting your needs second because mm-hmm. that's what you know. Eventually that's going to stop working for you and you probably would end up in my office not saying, I put my needs second because I don't feel that they're valued because right. growing up I was taught, whether I realize it or not, to put my needs second to not piss off my mom. You're not going to say that. You're going to come in you're going to say, I just got out of a really bad relationship. I keep picking the same type of people or, you know, um, I'm so insecure. I hate how I look. I feel stupid. I don't feel unworthy. Then that's kind of what I get into people, you know, get into with people is kind of where, where does that come from? But again, that's not enough. You also have to work on changing those patterns to get a different response. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, to me, a very common one in, you know, I hear my, a lot of my friends kind of reference that a person that might sound like apologizing when they don't need to apologize and, you know, accidentally bumping the peacekeeper always, you know, making sure everyone else is, uh, uh, completely comforted and they're totally ignoring their own. So Correct. that's, you know, a, a lot of the times, you know, those are obviously on the surface great friends because Correct. they're always there to support you. And if I think that's a great thing to identify, too. If you have a friend that constantly does that, know that they probably have some mm-hmm. something where they feel not as worthy as... You know, the presence, whatever, or is that too far? I don't no, know. No, I'm laughing because you're 100% <laughs> right, but I'm laughing thinking about my friends who may be listening to this going, yeah. yeah, no, she doesn't let us get away with that because she'll <laughs> scream at us. Hey, hey, yeah. Stop fucking saying yes to me, damn it. <laughs> you people pleaser. Oh, my God. I'm your I friend. Do, my friends that are listening to this, I know, one in particular, she messaged me the other night about her daughter and... You know, and, and if she's listening, she, she'll laugh. But and I'm sure she's fine if I say this. But we talk all the time about her. You know, her her mom and her. She always comes to me with this stuff, and um, you know, we kind of compare notes and we talk about stuff. And just, and so one of the things that's really hard for her is saying no to her kid because she feels so bad and so guilty because she just wants to be such a good mom because her her mom was really not great. Nars. I mean, I mean, probably one of just bad we're just gonna say bad bad yeah and um she constantly would do everything she can to keep the peace and blah, blah. and so she doesn't want and i see it and i get it she doesn't want to she wants to be the best mom she can be she doesn't want her daughter to feel like she felt and yeah. you know and she she will do whatever she can to make her child happy and it's with such good intentions and she's such a good person and i adore her and she doesn't have a bad bone in her body but she doesn't have a bad bone in her body Right. And so and so it's, you know, I'll, I wrote her last and I'm like, but but just say no. I know. I know. I'm like, <laughs> but I don't understand. Just say no. If she gets mad, she gets mad. She's not going to be mad at you tomorrow. And it's, it's so. So for me, it's easy to say, like, what do you mean if my kid did this? Like, no. Maybe, yeah. Bye. Not, like, yeah. end of story. But for somebody who genuinely is conditioned to think if you say no, you're going to be a terrible, horrible human being, well, shit, you're not going to say no to much. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that tend to be really like just sweet and genuine. And, and you know, 
And I'm just, so when you said that, I was laughing. I was like, no, I don't do that with my friends. I yell at them. Good. Good. And I think you should yell at your friends too. Like I, I do that. I do. I, I do the same them. thing. I'm like, why are you apologizing? Yes. Yes. Not, you don't have to apologize. Exactly. To me. Exactly. And that's a, and see, and you know, so we'll keep on this example because I think it's a good yeah. one. It's a gr- it's a great common one. Like what? How would you approach someone that says like? I need to break this. You gave a great example right up front there. So, like, what yeah. would you tell that person? Just got a bad relationship. Da, da, da. Where where would you try and break that? Yeah. So, pattern? what I would first do is I would have them give me situations that they felt and real situations because I don't like the hypothetical ones. I real I really like to use real situations, real scenarios because I like to kind of bring out the emotion that comes with it. Um, you know, it's like when you're practicing for you know a sport and you're in practice, it's so different than when you're actually playing, right? Absolutely. So I like to use real examples in session. Um, and I have them tell me, what are the situations where you feel that pull, let's say in this case, to be the peacekeeper? And they'll give me the situations. And they all typically have, and this is over, you know, not just one session of 45 minutes, but this is over time. They'll, they'll see a, th- a running theme, and I leave it up to them to see the theme because um, I... I already know it, but I want, I need them to know it. And so they'll look through all these situations and these triggering events and they'll see a common pattern. They'll see a common theme. And it's usually around not wanting to disappoint them, not wanting to be hated, not wanting to make somebody else upset, which, you know, eventually I'll jokingly say to them again, we've talked about this for somebody who has such low self-esteem, you sure shit think you have a lot of power to change other people's moods. Damn. Right. Like you can't have both of them. Right. If you're that shitty of a person and you don't matter, how can you at the same time have this much influence over someone's mood? And I say it jokingly to show them how illogical that is. Mm-hmm. But it's an um, awesome point. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's same with social anxiety. It's like if you really think you're that embarrassing or that bad of a person, why do you think people are thinking about you all the time? Yes. They're, yeah, right. A, right. Like th- you can't do both. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, so so what will happen is they'll see this theme they'll see these patterns and I'll, I'll ask them, okay, well, what would a pick a scenario that was least distressing out of all of these pick a person that you feel the, the um, least anxiety with, should you put a boundary up? And so I have them start really low, almost like a hierarchy. So I have them start at the bottom of something that's really not anxiety as anxiety provoking for them, but still something that they need to work on to change. And so I'll say, okay, usually you would do this, this, and this in this scenario to keep a, to be the peacekeeper. And when people are working on patterns, one of the things that I tell people is it's very normal to go from one extreme to the total other end. And the goal, my goal in therapy for you and my job is to work you towards the middle. So it's very, because when you're dealing with patterns like that, it's very dichotomous. It's all or nothing. So if you're the peacekeeper, a lot of times people will say, well, then I need to be the asshole. Uh, right. Yeah. No, no. No. Because that's not you. Anyway. No. But right. for now, I use that because in their mind, saying no is being an asshole. Ah, right. Right. Which is really the middle. The middle. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I yeah. just, you know, I words and we could do a whole ep- actually, another episode idea. idea. Language. Language fucks us up. Mm, does it ever? Yes. So we're gonna do words and how that plays into anxiety. Actually, and that's just the name of the show. Language. Fucks language us fucks up. us up. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and so I have the reason why they do this because that's the only anchor point they have. And ten, and when we don't know what we're doing, we go to the opposite. That's how our brains work. So I say, okay, what would you need to do in this situation to be a total asshole? Say no. 
all right, cool. Let's be an asshole then. I want you to practice being an <laughs> asshole yeah. and saying no in, in a situation that makes you the least anxious of all of these. And so I will actually have them draw it out first. So I'll have them draw, you know, themselves in the center. And then I will have them draw an arrow to the person that they're going to say no to to put the boundary up. And I say, okay, what's going to happen, do you think, when you say no to this person for the first time ever? Like, Jamie, is there any way you can pick my kid up from school because I'm stuck in a meeting? If I usually say yes and drop everything and do it. But this time I say no. I can't. I'm really sorry. What do you think that other person is going to do? So I will ask them what in worst case scenario will happen if you say no. And they'll say, they'll get mad at me. They'll hate me. They'll this, they'll, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay. And I don't bother saying what's the likelihood that'll happen. Because in their mind, it's going to happen 100%. I said, okay, so let's just say that happens and you say no. What do you think they're going to do? Well, they're going to get mad at me. So I have them take a pen or a pencil. I have one I here. I just happen to okay. have one there. So you start to shift your boundary. Mm-hmm. And the other person gets mad at you. Because you're wrong? No. But because they're not used to this and they feel uncomfortable and they don't know what the hell just happened. So they may, they may, if it's a toxic relationship, say something like, why are you being so selfish? To try to push you back to your original starting point because that's where the status quo is. And that's where everybody's comfortable even if it's super unhealthy. Yeah. Because remember, you're the only one in therapy making these changes. Everybody around, they have no idea what's going on. They just know that somebody who always said yes finally said no. So you just like mess their world up. So they're going to say, really? Well, can you try to figure it out? <laughs> right? Because that would happen. Like, yeah, oh, right. are you sure you really can't? Because maybe you put all your eggs in one basket thinking like, well, they never say no. You're right. But now so. all of a sudden they say no and you're like, oh, fuck, what do I do now? So you try to reason with them, not because you're mean, just because that just threw you off balance. And then the other person, if they're not strong enough to say no, that will push them back. Okay, well, yeah, let me see what I can do. And then everything returns to normal, quote, normal. But if you continuously put a boundary up and say no, now this person over here realizes they're not going to get what they want from you. And, and again, this doesn't mean it's manipulative, but they don't get what they want from you. Now what do they do? Well, now they have to go to somebody else. So maybe they go to your brother. Your brother never gets asked to do anything. So you're going to get a call from him. Because he's the golden child, (laughs) let's say. He doesn't get asked anything because you always do everything. Mm -hmm. But now you said no. So now this person has to go to this person. And this person's going to say, what? No, ask ask John. John Burchett will do it. He always does it. And this person says, well, John said he said no. He said no. What do you mean I'll call him? Hey, hey, why can't you go over to mom's house? Correct. And then he'll try to push you back. Right. Man, I can't do this. Can you please do this for me? Like, what the hell? What do you mean you're busy? You can reschedule it. Your job's not that important. Like, something, right? And then, okay, fine, I'll do it, right? Or you continue to say no. And now what happens is these two now are figuring it out. You've now put a boundary here and here. And now he's saying no. So now this person needs to go to mom. Like, and so just by saying no... And holding your boundary and at the same time feeling so uncomfortable, feeling like you were a terrible person, feeling like you were absolutely going to get abandoned by every family member under the sun because you said no, keep your boundary anyway. 
And what will start to happen is you'll realize how much power you have just by saying no. You have changed the dynamic of so many things in your like close little circle. And then let's say mom says, yeah, sure, I can do it. Now what? Well, now you just opened up a whole other pathway. You realize that by saying no, no one died. Nothing bad happened. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. But what happened happened. So now you're setting new tracks in the snow, right? Now, next time that person needs a favor from you, they'll probably still ask you for quite some time, right? Because they're not used to that. But now at least they know that if you do say no, maybe they won't bother you as much or call your brother. Maybe now they'll just go to the other person. Right. At least they're first. Yeah. Try somebody else first. Exactly. So you can't expect other people to miraculously change because you want them to. Mm -hmm. And that's why people will be, why, why am I the one in therapy? It's not fair. I'm not the one that needs to change. And you're right. But sometimes the only way to get other people around you to shift is by throwing them up balance by changing your own behavior very, very slowly and in a very small manner. And honestly, it's a defense class for you. Like, if you, yes. you know, that's how I, I view this stuff. It's just, you know, we teach that stuff rampantly. Around. You just don't see a gym that is like, hey, come teach karate or MMA or whatever. Correct. But, like, to me, that is what psychology is. It is defense for you against everything else that every type of person that you can meet in this world because there's a lot of different personalities and that's yep. why we're talking about all this yep. stuff and yeah like no is incredibly powerful mm -hmm. and the good thing is is what dr z uh, just described there is like probably most outcomes of just mm -hmm. like okay got it like yep. we, we, we won't do that anymore that's right if it's worse than that you're going to get the i think the number one question after that you tell me if i'm wrong is like Okay, they've asked you. They're coming back. They're asking you to do the same thing again. This time, you'll definitely say yes. Mm -hmm. And when you say no a second time, they mm -hmm. go, okay, what's wrong? Correct. Right? That's the next thing. What's phase. the matter? What's, what's the going matter? on with you? You seem different. Do you different. not like me anymore? Yes. What's the deal? Exactly. Right? And it's again, it's not necessarily manipulative. It's genuinely like, all right, what's wrong? Because mm -hmm. they, remember, they, they don't know another you. So it's like you're right-handed your entire life, and all of a sudden you're left-handed one day, mm -hmm. but your right hand's not broken? Like, what? Why are you doing this with your right hand? Like, I don't understand what's going on. It's So it's, it's, and it's not like you're saying, well, I'm in therapy and I'm working on changing my patterns. And so you're just uncomfortable because the equilibrium is now off. I mean, no one's saying that. And they may not even understand that. They just know that someone who always said yes is now saying no. Period. And people are scared to test the waters because they are always thinking worst case scenario. That makes sense. Right? But yeah. worst case scenario doesn't happen. And and here's the thing. If somebody's like, listen, you're different. You're changing. So I don't I don't know what's going on. A couple things can happen. Either they're going to adjust because they want good things for you and they see that you're doing better, even if it means it's more work for them. Mm -hmm. They may give you pushback and say, like, what the hell is this? And continuously give you pushback, but eventually fall into line kind of without even realizing it. They're just adapting to the new pattern. Or you're going to find somebody who never is willing to adapt to it, is constantly going to give you shit for it, mm -hmm. doesn't ever think about why or how or what the consequences are of this, and you outgrow them. And that's fine, too. Yeah, and if that, let's say, for instance, in this scenario, that person you are saying or is asking what is wrong, what if it is about them what if it is or what if part of that process is like well yeah first i need to so this border up and then yeah so here's what you. i say about that if the person 
has is somebody who you know will be receptive, who you know will understand. They may never change because it may be too difficult for them. But if it's somebody that you feel comfortable with and you can explain it to them, great, go for it. But have no expectations. If it's somebody who you know is going to be difficult, who you know has a difficult personality or who is going to be super argumentative, you don't owe them an explanation at all. You really don't. You can just say, because I can't do it today. Right. Whereas somebody that you're a little closer, you know, or even just somebody that you can feel more vulnerable with and more open with, you can say, you know what, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't figure out why I had irritable bowel syndrome. I couldn't figure out why my joints were hurting, why I was getting migraines. And it's because I was stressed because I was taking on too much because I never say no. So I need to do this for me. Unless you're a huge asshole, you're going to understand where they're coming from. You still may not be happy and comfortable not asking them anymore, right? but you understand and you'll make an effort. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's and the I, most you can ask of someone. And do you think a lot of this like is mostly that is just a lot Fear. of the times we are, yeah, it's that same old, but probably like the number one thing yes. puts us in front of, uh, you know, everything, our anxiety, our it's fear, and all that. Yeah. Avoidance of discomfort. You hear me say that every day. It's, it's avoidance of the, it's avoidance of the discomfort you think you're going to have when you say no to somebody. It's not someone saying no to you, mm-hmm. or not somebody disagreeing with you. It's the fear of what it's going to feel like when somebody disagrees with you. The other one, I, and I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget. The other time this becomes a thing. Let's say, for example, that somebody in the family has an addiction, right? Let's say somebody is an alcoholic or has a drug problem or gambling, whatever. And that person goes to rehab for their alcohol problem. And that person becomes sober. But for the last 20 years, that person has been an alcoholic in the family. The quote problem person, right? Mm-hmm. Now that person comes back and they're sober. And everybody around them wants them to be sober, clearly. But in order for somebody in a system to stay sober... It's it it all. This is why it is a systemic issue. The other people around them need to stop enabling behavior, which means they have to change. Right, and, and that's a all a separate big can be a big battle. Sometimes. Yes, yeah. because believe it or not, and this happens when people are physically sick too. Let's say somebody has um, I, um let's say somebody has cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're really sick and they're going through chemo and they're going through radiation and they're really sick and you are taking care of this person. And that has been your sole focus for the last five years. You are a caretaker and you're amazing at it and you're doing it because you love it, because you love them, because you want to help them and you'd have it no other way. You quit your job to take care of them. You have not gone out with friends because you're taking care of them and you're and, and not out of guilt and not out of anything other than you want to. But now that person's healthy, and now your entire purpose has changed. Your patterns don't work anymore because now your purpose of caretaker, that's changed. So you can't continue to take care of this person because this person doesn't need to be taken care of anymore. So you need to switch gears. And if you have been this people pleaser caretaker for so long and now you need to shift gears you're going to start to search for other things, right? That you can take care of and you can, you know, which is why people will sometimes get into these patterns and these relationships of, of peacekeeper or people pleaser or problem solver or caregiver. And 
it becomes unhealthy because what are you not doing while you're taking care of someone else? You're not focusing on your own shit. And that may be really That's comfortable right. for you. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you have nothing to focus on because this person's better, which you are thrilled about. But at the same time, your purpose shifted and now you need to focus on yourself and you're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So again, so it, it's, it's, there's a lot of different patterns and a lot of different um, consequences in a dynamic of changing patterns. And I think that happens, uh, that, that exact behavior can happen in a lot of different ways. Like I know I'm uh, really that way. I think when it comes to work and I think like I've chosen certain career and most, I think people, producers or whatever it is, choose certain career paths, uh, for sure. Uh, b- based on those things. You what? Know? Uh, yeah, like, come what do you on. mean? <laughs> Our personalities dictate where we get jobs. What? what? what do you mean? Uh, but, uh, yeah. I don't want to take care of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who, who wants to do that? No. Uh, but those those things pop up in our work all the time too. Yep. Like we can neglect our own stuff to yep. take care of somebody else who can't do that. But knowing like you have the knowledge to do, and it's that same pattern of like, mm-hmm. well, what do you mean you can't just? I got too much on my fucking plate. That's what are you right. talking about? That's I got to right. do my own work here. And then what you happens know? though is if you let's say you said that to me, right? Let's mm-hmm. say I asked you for something because you always help me, and I said, you know, like John, I need help, and you say, no, I got, I'm busy. Right. And I get mad at you. She's never done, by the way, for the record. <laughs> and I get mad at you. And then you get you cave because you feel so bad and uncomfortable right. that I'm mad at you. You mm-hmm. can't tolerate it. It's too uncomfortable. You can't focus because right. you think I'm mad at you. So to get rid of that feeling, you agree to help me. Okay? I've done millions of times in my life, by the way. Now you've taught yourself that you're not capable of sitting with that discomfort. Mm-hmm. You've taught yourself that my needs come first and your needs come second. Um, and the other thing that starts to happen is as you start to take the stuff from other people and you take it on, you take on their emotions, you take accountability for them, then you and you get behind in your own stuff and your own life. And it's not even work. It's also just your life, like yeah. going to bed early, going to the gym, things that, you know, eating healthy because you're rushing because you had to do something for somebody else. Then resentment starts. But yet, can you resent them? When they're just doing what they've always done, and so are you. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you resent them if you keep saying yes? And so people don't like when I say this. It's not that I blame them, right. but I say to them, if you're going to resent them and you don't like that feeling, how do you no longer have that feeling? What do you need to do? And they'll say, oh, then say no. Correct. <laughs> do you wait till you feel comfortable to say no? No, because mm. then you'll be waiting forever. So start small where it's, 10 uncomfortable instead of a thousand uncomfortable. I just sounded like my four year old. <laughs> How happy are you? I'm 10 happy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are you hungry? I love that. I'm medium hungry. Um, yeah, I'm like, who would like that? I'm a hundred hungry. <laughs> so, like, find something that makes you 10 uncomfortable, mm-hmm. not a thousand uncomfortable, and start there and test the waters, experiment, see what happens. Yeah, I think that's great advice because it, um, I, I know it affected me very young and, like, even. Uh, not being able to handle that brought me to a point where, like, I was terrified to walk into a bank just because, like, yes. I had ignored that so much. I was so I can't remember what or why I was terrified of it, but like, I think it it still follows me to this day. Of anything that's financial is like completely scary, scary to me, and yeah. like now it's finally getting to a point where, like, all right, we've unpeeled that freaking layer, and now we can like you know understand that these are normal things, and this is Correct. okay, and like. That's why I think it's the the word of no is so important mm-hmm. and like having mm-hmm. uh, uh, that fear. It, it's yeah, even silly things as like not eating lunch in elementary school 
yes. due to my anxiety, which I didn't realize oh. was part of that. You know, like yes. trying to figure, well, why the hell am I doing this? Yeah. I'm afraid to eat in front of people. Yeah. I'm afraid to do, you know. That's a big one. It's a big one. Eating man. in front of people. Yep, yeah, that's a yeah. big one. But here's the thing. It's not even no too. I always tell people too, when they're changing behaviors and patterns, what would the opposite behavior do? It's something called opposite action. What would the opposite the behavior Costanza, do? as I like to call it. Because you're a Seinfeld fan. Yeah. I miss Seinfeld. <laughs> it's still on every freaking five seconds. So the man hands one was on the other day. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. It's a classic episode. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, like several friends of mine, too. I'm just like, yeah. Anyway. So um, <laughs> I was in the pool. <laughs> I was in the pool. I was in the pool. <laughs> Sorry, it's so bad. Okay, so so if you think about it, it's not just saying no. It's also doing the opposite. So if you, if every time I, here's the example I give. If every time, let's say you and I were married. Yeah. And I came home, and every time I came home, you knew within 20 minutes we were going to start an argument. Without fail, every time I come home, 20 minutes, we have an argument, right? Ugh, and this is, right, correct, <laughs> right. Can I just say something? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. It's oh. fine. Fine. Whatever. Let's Are you going to ask it. me what whatever means? Yeah. <laughs> no, right. yeah. So, so you come home and and like clockwork, we have an argument, right? Let's say every Friday, five o'clock, you come home, we have an argument, yeah. and it goes like this: you walk in. I freak out on you. You go upstairs. I go in the basement. I slam the door. You mm. say fuck it. You take your keys. You go out, and you don't come home till Sunday morning. Okay. Yeah. All right. We, like clockwork, we can predict this. Okay. And I go into therapy, and I'm I'm screaming. Do you know what he did? And blah blah blah. And he's never going to change. And and if I said, if I was a therapist, and I said, okay, well, let me ask you a question. When he comes home, and he freaks out, and you freak out, what do you do? Well, I, he goes upstairs. I slam. He slams the door. So I go to the basement, and I slam the door. Fine. But what would happen if instead of doing that, you sat on the couch, and still yelled? I don't know, right? You get this. I don't know. Try it, right? So just slightly change the pattern. You come like home, and you expect me to flip out and slam the door, right? Go downstairs, slam the door. But I stay on the couch. We keep yelling, right? We keep arguing, but I stay on the couch. You're gonna be thrown. You may not realize you're thrown, but like the whole thing just shifted because now. If you go upstairs and slam the bedroom door and leave until Sunday, when I haven't given you that pattern mm -hmm. that we've enabled, now it's all weird, right? And just my first instinct from you saying this, I'm just putting myself in yeah. the person that storms out. Yeah. If you did change that pattern, yep. I know immediately be like, well, why are they sitting down? Correct. And I would stay. Correct. And I would hash out whatever it's about to hash out. Correct. Yeah. No, listen, some people are still going to say I'm going to get up and go, right? Yeah. Like, fine. But that's because it's still new. But if, if, if eventually, by changing and shifting ever so slightly, I throw you off mm -hmm. and you're forced to change your behavior. Maybe it's leaving an hour later. Or maybe it's not coming home at all. It doesn't, regardless, the point is, is that I changed your behavior by, by very slowly and slowly changing mine. And that is like... Again, I think that's just as powerful, and it is 100%. just as powerful as saying no. Right. It's just going, and somebody had taught me that a long time ago, actually. It's like triggering a lot of great things. Uh, like a, a simple technique, even in changing a pattern, if somebody's not used to. Like Jim Henson, like, maybe? Uh, it's, it's very possible. Some Muppets. Muppets. <laughs> but like. Uh, that's where I learned everything <laughs> growing up. <laughs> 
<laughs> she learned it all in Fraggle Rock. I did. Bum, bum. Uh, <laughs> when somebody's even not used to using like hand gestures, for instance, right. during during something you, you're about to do, and simply saying, you know, I understand, and then using it to like direct hands this way or that way, and Correct. say like, but that problem is a that's literally just changing a small pattern yes. and psychologically going. Oh, we're getting past this problem and this you want to open up and just Correct. find out where this comes from. So, yeah, mm -hmm. like the simplest patterns that you mm -hmm. don't think we're going to do anything are going to do a lot. Yep. I think that's the biggest takeaway from yep. our conversation today, for sure. I yeah. did this once. This is this is how I show my students this when I used to teach mm -hmm. undergrad. Yes, I was a college professor. For a <laughs> <little bit. laughs> we'll mark that one down for later. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what I what I would do sometimes for my um, I think with social psychology, I, they would come in like half of the semester and I would mm. just one day just sit on the floor and start teaching. Ah. And like no one could quite figure out what the hell was going on. But they paid on, attention, they class, paid attention yeah, the baby. whole time. They were so like, what? And like they were waiting for me to tell. And I yep. just never said anything. And yeah. I just got And then the next class I would explain to them. But like it was, it really threw them. Yeah. But I guarantee you they learned more in that class they did when I was standing up. 100%. I remember, I still remember a teacher of mine uh, who wanted to teach us about, um, which was, by the way, who I can't remember the teacher's name, way brilliant. Like sometime in the early 90s showing us why uh, eyewitnesses when? in the early 90s. When? Or in the 19, I'm, I'm dating myself. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just said it. But like uh, uh, why early 1900s. Eye eyewitnesses are are bullshit, essentially. She Correct. had a teacher walk in yes. like in all this crazy stuff. Right. And we're like, wait, are we just not going to talk about mm -hmm. that? And like that is That's so, right. yeah, like that, that I think needs to be more lesson planning, by the way, when how we're teaching. That's yep. a whole other conversation, too. But like that, those simple patterns can really unlock a bunch of stuff. And that was actually the last thing I had. And maybe we can save this for another episode, too, if you think it's uh, too broad. But. In terms of doing these patterns for your own personal self, for your mm -hmm. goals, you even mentioned it. Like, I struggle the same way. I desperately want to be organized. And I hate when people just go like, just be organized, man. I'm like, right. right. Where the fuck do you start? Like, right. how, how do we change those? What Or what's a good recommendation to change the habits that we want to change in terms of the pattern breaking or stuff like that? What Are you would, plugging my book? I might be plugging your book. <laughs> it's possible that I'm plugging your book. Um, well, John Barchard, <laughs> funny you should ask this. Um, so I recently wrote a workbook. Um, so you told you she gets so soup serious. I do. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to start tracking what you value mm -hmm. and make sure that your behaviors and your goals are in line with the things that you value. If you value being a good person, you value being a healthy person, you need to make sure that the things that you're trying to do are in line with those values of being a healthy person. Taking on everybody else's shit does not make you a healthy person. So, oh. Oh, oh, look at Taylor Cordata says he's about to go to camera two. Bookity boo. Look in my hands. It's so, by the way, it's so nice. Oh, here she comes. The, uh, the man hands. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was, <laughs> <laughs> got her. Got her. She, you do not have pool. man hands. You do not have, have man hands. I have tiny hands. Yes, you have tiny hands. I have oddly long arms for my height. For everyone that thinks I'm tall. Yeah. She's, she's. Wait, by the way, really quickly, I went yeah. to a book thing mm. and they didn't realize it was me. You know why? I didn't think you were that short. <laughs> Classic. Classic. <laughs> yeah, you should be six two. And see, I'm turning to chapter nine, and that's this is this is part of part of I think this familiarity is not always your friend. Correct. And I think that's yes. Uh, and that was totally random. That wasn't planned. Uh, but that is 
100% a part of this conversation. We get into those familiar patterns. We don't recognize that it's like, you know, causing. It's comfortable. Yeah, exactly. We don't like being uncomfortable. And that can show in a bunch of different ways. I am a guilty as guilty as sin, an emotional eater. Like you could tell by my weight fluctuation. And Dr. Z has obviously noticed the difference between that over two years and recognize all this stuff. So like totally get where you pack that away. Yep. It could just show up in random places. Yep. So yep. Yep. Um, it's uh it's an awesome book. It's an it's yeah, see, see. <laughs> Dr. Z was totally not pushing away a Butterfinger wrapper that I brought in. What do you mean? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what we're talking about. But um, uh, this was awesome as always, Dr. Z. Thank you so much. Thank you so and, much. Uh, please, Finding Good Habits, wherever you get your books, especially yes. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And Target. Target, which I was just in. And uh, it's great in there still. Love it. You can't go in for one thing. <laughs> you, never you come can. out with everything you don't need. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why. Uh, <laughs> but you should come out with my book. Yes. At Target. Uh, which is uh, awesome. And I'm going to, you know what? Uh, if anybody can take a picture of this book in a Target uh, anywhere, I love it. Uh, let me know. Send it to me at John Barchard, and I will personally send you a book. You don't even have to purchase it there. How about that? I think that'd be That's fun. That's a great idea. Because I would love to see. We will send you a free book if you find one in 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 any store, really, but specifically at Target for this one. I think it'd be fun. I love that. Uh, We will uh, see you on the next session, Doctor Z. Anything else? I got nothing. All right, bye, guys. Thank you. See ya.